Open enrollment season is here, and I want you to be prepared. Learn how you can avoid some of the biggest mistakes and instead maximize your workplace benefits to their fullest potential. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. How would you like to help set up your finances for this next year so that it runs smoother and that you are going to be hitting your money goals faster? That might very well be the case if you take time this weekend to go over your options with open enrollment. I know it might not seem like the most exciting thing when you get that packet, but you can have a huge and significant win with your finances if you take the time to really research your options and make sure that you're maximizing your benefits. With open enrollment, health insurance is typically the biggest decision families worry about, and understandably so. You're trying to strike that balance of getting the best coverage for your family at an affordable price, which can be a struggle. However, that's just one piece. There are other benefits that I want to make sure you are maximizing as much as possible. How do you know where to start and which workplace benefits you should focus on? That's why I want to share a discussion I had with Matt Miner a while ago about which areas to give your attention to and what essential conversations you should be having as a family to get a clearer picture of optimizing your workplace benefits. Matt is a fee-only fiduciary advisor with Minor Wealth Management, and he specializes in helping families make sure that their finances are aligned with their goals, priorities, and values. He's also the creator and host of the Work Pants Finance podcast. In this episode, we're going to be covering some of the most common and biggest mistakes families make when they go through open enrollment with their benefits, how disability insurance works and why you should consider it even if you are young and healthy, and what to look out for for other possible benefits, and keeping an eye on your 401k. We have a lot to go over, so let's get started. Open enrollment, it's so important because you're making a lot of big decisions for the upcoming year. There's so many components to it, and I know it used to be a packet, but we're now in the digital age, but you get from HR these attachments of 20 to 30 pages for these benefits. How do you navigate through that? As a financial planner, you've worked with couples and families. Are there certain things where you see couples are leaving money on the table or they don't know how to approach tackling their benefits? Yeah. So there's just a lot that we could unpack there. And I think that we're going to get to some of this as we go along. But one of the reasons that people start with, for example, retirement and medical benefits is because those really are often the two most financially impactful portions of that 30-page benefit packet Mm -hmm. that you receive. So even though we're going to talk about everything, we definitely don't want to give short shrift to those two. Mm -hmm. Talking about the medical benefits, first of all, I just want to 
say this is one where you're going to have to dig in and look at the numbers for your family. Actually look at what you spent in previous years. Look at types of budgeting for healthcare to the extent that you can for the upcoming year. For most healthy families, the qualified high deductible plan option, sometimes abbreviated, you know, Q. HDP on your paperwork there. And then pairing that with a health savings account is usually going to be the most economically beneficial option. It's not uncommon to see people mm-hmm. switching from the more expensive healthcare plan to that HSA type plan, save between two and $5,000 per year, just in yeah. premiums. You got to really dig into how those plans work. Even in certain cases, the more expensive plan may or may not pay for the type of coverages that your family is actually using or needing. And so you don't necessarily want to go with it just because it's more expensive, because if you're not able to effectively use that benefit for however you're using healthcare, then you're definitely better off with the lower premium. Moving on from there, I think maybe we'll talk about retirement a little bit more later. So then going on to those other benefits like dental or vision, one way to look at your vision and dental benefits is to ask whether you were able to successfully use them last year. In fact, almost any benefit that might be offered to you before you sign up for it, if it's going to cost you something, look at whether you used it last year. A lot of times vision and dental plans are almost just like a way of financing something that you might pay for more cheaply out of pocket. The other thing that you don't get when you use uh, vision or dental insurance is you're not going to have any ability to negotiate price with the providers. Sometimes just that flexibility may make it worth your while to skip these benefits. So you just really have to look at what it costs and how your family uses it. Yeah, that definitely was the case with us. You bring up a lot of good points. Years ago, before we switched to that high deductible plan, when they initially offered it, I'm going to be honest, Matt, the the first thing when we heard high deductible was like, wait, we're on the hook more? But what we discovered was when we ran the numbers, it gave us more flexibility because we had the lower premiums. And we'll talk about tax advantages accounts, but we saw that it was for us out of pocket, a better deal to go with the high deductible plan. So definitely running the numbers. Then with dental, we had a situation where based on the employer paying for my husband completely, like you said, negotiating, we talked with our dentist and they had a plan that is actually cheaper for us to prepay for the year to them directly and then take care of the rest of us. It was a good amount of savings. Sometimes it seems intimidating to run the numbers, but you'll be amazed and it will make the decision so much easier when you have that in front of you and then you can make a decision that best fits your family. That's a great point, Elle. And you also mentioned another piece of benefits planning that is kind of a creative part, I guess. And again, requires looking at the numbers, but sometimes it is most beneficial to have just the, just the employee on their employer's plan and then to look at other ways to finance benefits for the rest of the family. So I've even seen this with health insurance. In fact, we've done this in our own family where there was a year where it was almost like a pricing anomaly where me and the three kids were on the employer plan. And then we actually bought my wife's coverage through Obamacare. And then there have been other times where we've paired it with like a Christian healthcare sharing ministry Mm -hmm. plan. And so you just have to look at what is available and how you use healthcare. And sometimes there's sort of hacks or surprising savings out there. This is one where it's definitely worth your time to not just do the same thing you did last year and move on. I do want to talk about what we mentioned with tax advantage accounts. When you are looking, for example, health insurance, since 
we're mentioning high deductible plan. An account like the HSA can be so powerful because you're saving now and saving for later. Do you mind just briefly describing the benefits of including tax planning? I know it's not the most exciting part of financial planning, but it can have a significant win for a family. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's a couple of key things there. One thing to know, and actually this relates back to that sort of hack that I mentioned about buying some of the care outside of the benefits plan is that for most benefits, you are paying with pre-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. And so that includes your health insurance premium. So when you do that analysis between buying through the employer and buying on your own, or even buying on your own for a portion of the family, be sure that you're making an apples to apples comparison by either using all pre-tax or all post-tax dollars in that analysis. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that relates to the dollars that you use to pay the premium. What you actually asked me about, Elle, was how the healthcare savings account amount works in this plan. And there's a few neat things about that. One of the things that probably most people know is that money that goes into an HSA is deductible from income. And it's deductible from income for your federal tax return, and it's deductible from income for your state tax return. What not everybody knows is that if your HSA withholdings are deducted Mm -hmm. from your payroll, they also miss out on the payroll taxes. So that's the Social Security tax and the Medicare tax. This is, as far as I know, and I think I'm right, Mm -hmm. the only place where an employee can dodge not only the federal and state tax Mm -hmm. portion, but also the payroll tax portion there. So if you're in a 22% federal bracket here in North Carolina, a 5% state tax, that's 27%. Add another 7.65% to that, you're at like nearly 35% tax savings on those HSA dollars. Now, as far as how you can use them, the IRS publishes plenty of lists, but in general, you can use these for most kinds of medical care, including the ever-famous dental and vision that we were talking about earlier. You can also not spend this money and roll it forward to use for future years, or actually once you achieve certain ages in retirement, the money becomes even more flexible, can even be used to pay certain types of premiums in retirement. So the HSA, it's kind of like a triple threat as far as the benefits from a tax planning standpoint. And it's one of the places where we encourage people to go, if not first, then second from a savings and investing standpoint. First might be getting your full employer match But then from there, the HSA is typically going to be your most advantageous type of money, maybe after that employer match. And it has a benefit over the employer match, which is that it is not nearly as tied up as 401k type retirement plans are, where basically that money is locked away until you at the very least leave the employer. Wow. So we appreciated the savings, but what we did is with our high deductible plan, those premiums, we rolled it into the HSA. Once We really understood all the benefits, Matt. We're very excited about that. But speaking of excitement, tell me more about this childcare advantages and benefits that may be available to parents to kind of offset some of the costs. Yeah. So there's two main things that I want to touch on there. Mm -hmm. One, and this is the one that will be offered through your employer, is the dependent care FSA. So you'll sometimes see Mm -hmm. DC FSA. And these plans have rules that vary a little bit from employer to employer, but the basic gist is that you can put away a chunk of money before tax. This one's going to be before your federal and state income tax. And then if you use that money to pay for eligible childcare expenses, then you can pay for those childcare expenses with pre-tax dollars. 
the idea here is to give some support to working families because this child care is enabling the working spouse to perhaps to continue to work. Then one of the big watchouts with that account is this is use it or lose it money. So again, when it comes to that DCFSA, like your healthcare benefits, you're going to have to actually do the budgeting exercise and make sure that you can reasonably spend through that entire money. One that you can layer on top of this, and this won't be through your employer, but it's just something to keep in mind, will be your ability to get the child care tax credit. The main idea would be that you can potentially fully access both that tax credit and the tax deduction that you might get from your DCFSA, but you need to keep good records and you probably need to talk to your accountant before you make the decision about exactly how to proceed with this. Because for a middle income family, you may want to be sure that you're getting the full benefits of the tax credit before you worry about the tax deduction of the DCFSA. So this is going to relate to both your level of income and your total mm-hmm. level of childcare expenses. And while I said you can use both of them, you can't use them both to cover the same dollars. And so you need to have have adequate spending on childcare, or you need you need to have so much childcare expense need that you would actually have you know enough expense to both spend the DCFSA and qualify for the tax credit. So yeah. that's how to think about that. I appreciate you bringing that up. This is one great reason why you would like to work with a financial planner because to get that personalized financial advice, you really need someone to sit down and look at your individual numbers and your individual circumstances. So I appreciate you giving us like this overview and information, but just to clarify for everybody, we can't give you specific financial advice because it really does vary family to family with your particular circumstances. But We're going to still keep going and talk about the different benefits that could be available and how to maximize that. I want to talk to you about disability insurance because I've had two friends within the last seven years use it, relatively healthy, and something happened. They didn't realize it was something they needed until, you know, thankfully they had that benefit. So could we kind of go over how disability insurance works? Yeah. And... I guess I'm going to go off script a little bit here and talk about both employer provided and Mm -hmm. private disability insurance with the disclaimer that I don't sell the latter, but I do recommend it for anyone who still Mm -hmm. thinks that getting a paycheck is quite important. So that's basically anybody who's not yet financially independent. So when you think about employer provided disability insurance, you're typically going to see this offered as short term and long term disability insurance. Depends on the kind of company that you work for. Some employers just automatically cover a certain portion of short-term disability. So you'll want to read about that. Others want you to sign up for something. And so taking this short-term disability one first, in general, if there's a premium associated with that, unless it's just incredibly low, like almost uh, insignificant in your paycheck, you're going to want to handle any short-term disability needs that you have through your emergency fund. So your emergency fund should be three to six months of expenses. At least if you're extremely highly compensated or have a really high budget, you might even push that towards 12 months. In any case, you've got say three to 12 months of expenses in cash. Mm -hmm. That's going to let you handle any short-term disability or get through any elimination period on your long-term disability policy. Now, when it comes to a long-term disability policy, again, my opinion is that everybody needs this and most people probably need at least 
sum that is separate from their employer. The reason for that would, would be if you were ever between jobs and became disabled, you could be in a real bind that way. Or if you were somehow changing jobs and were not eligible to add that coverage, and again, you became disabled, it's just something that you want to have in place. So you look at what the employer offers. It's typically going to be in the neighborhood of 60% of your gross pay. And then you need to recall that when it comes to employer provided disability insurance, that's going to be fully taxable to you as income. So not only is it of course less than your gross pay, but it is also going to get taxed before you get the money. When you buy disability insurance privately, you're going to pay with after-tax dollars. And so you're going to receive after-tax dollars from that policy. So that's, that's how I think about about both short-term and long-term disability insurance mm-hmm. and how I think about whether it's coming from the company or whether it's something that you buy on your own. It's one of those benefits when you're healthy, when things are going well, you're kind of sitting there weighing this. Consider if we lose as if I become temporarily or long-term disabled, how important is that paycheck coming in for us to stay afloat or keep going? So I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah. And I guess there's just a couple last things I want to say on that as I think about it. You know, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but almost no one would argue that you don't need life insurance, especially on on a primary earner, but you actually need it probably on both spouses. But most people would agree that you need that. And I would just say that when it comes to disability insurance, your likelihood of needing disability insurance to to pay you is so much higher. Even the fact that you know two people who've had disability claims in recent periods, I think just like serves to illustrate that. I, I almost put disability insurance at like the very top of the heap in terms of insurance that you're going to fund. Even if you can't maybe buy as much as you wish you could buy, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really important insurance to have because if, if you think about it, there is no other insurance for a loss of income. You know, if you become injured and you have medical bills, you mm-hmm. can either find a way to go on public assistance or you can have those medical bills discharged in bankruptcy. You know, even if you think about something terrible like losing your house to a fire and it was underinsured or for some reason it was not insured, that's a few hundred thousand dollars perhaps or a couple hundred thousand dollars you can potentially recover from a loss of that magnitude. If you think about your future earnings as being 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million dollars, that's a magnitude of loss that almost it's unrecoverable because you've mm-hmm. lost your ability to generate income if you become so disabled. This is why it's so important, even though you get this packet or you're printing out the documents and reviewing it, it's absolutely key. Understand what benefits are available to you. And if you have these through your employer, take advantage. I hope you never have to use it, but then you know where to go and and get that coverage that you need. So I know we can talk about this all morning because there's so many different things, but I do want to kind of wrap up with another key thing that couples and families review around open enrollment. Even though you can check on your 401k adjusted anytime during the year, this is the time of the year where people are like, well, how have things been doing? What things should they be discussing or be concerned about with their 401k? I know that's kind of a broad question, but just wanted to ask you from the financial planner side, what are you seeing that couples are doing or aren't doing? Yeah, I think there's a couple of really important things on this one. This is a great time to just check in 
do you understand your overall investments and are they doing for you what you want them to do? And so, you know, if you are in a position to be making investments, it's important to know what they are and how they work and then make sure that the investments that you have are the right ones that are going to get you and your family from point A to point B you know, in the time frame that you want. It's not uncommon for me to have clients come in and for some reason have a large cash balance in their 401k plan. So this would be a good time to check even if you feel you need to be invested conservatively in your 401k plan, there's basically never any reason to have cash in that plan because it's cash. The point of cash is ready access money. And the 401k is like the opposite of ready access money. So that's, that's one watch out that I see in general. You can find plenty of online risk questionnaires to try to assess where you might be. Most people who are still in the accumulation stage should be somewhere between 65 and 90% equities. Mm -hmm. And a great place to start if you're employer offers it is going to be the Vanguard target date retirement funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, these funds are globally diversified for both stocks and bonds, and they very nicely appropriately match stock and bond exposure based on your projected retirement date. I think that there's still like 50-50 stocks at the projected retirement date. Okay. So these are super reasonable portfolios. Schwab also has some some great target date funds. BlackRock does as well. These are not endorsements of these assets. Yeah, managers. yes, of course. <laughs> they have quality products. What you're going to want to look for in those target date funds is to make sure that you that the funds have a reasonable expense fee and that's going to be somewhere between 5 one hundredths of 1% to certainly no more than one half of 1%. Mm -hmm. If you see a fund that is, you know, well north of that at 1% or 1.5%, this is a fund that's been designed to make the asset manager wealthy and not to make you wealthy. So in that case, you may want to look at other index fund options that are in your, that are offered to you in your 401k. Another big consideration here is going to be pre-tax versus Roth. And this, again, is kind of an individualized discussion. But for most people at retirement, if they can have a mix of pre-tax and Roth money, that will be helpful to them in managing their income taxes in retirement. My own family's goal would be to be 50% Roth and 50% pre-tax at retirement because we want to have that flexibility that that will enable us for a tax planning standpoint when we get there. I think then the last thing I would say on this L would just be that for most people, they're going to want to go ahead. Like the first investing that they're going to want to do is to get the full employer match within their 401k or 403b retirement plan. So job one is understand how that matching program works and be sure that you're investing at least enough to maximize that match. That match is really part of your comp. And so if you're not getting that full match, you're leaving money on the table. Usually then for most people, once they've maximized that match, they might want to think about doing some Roth IRA funding, either a regular Roth IRA or a backdoor Roth IRA if your income is so high that it excludes you. And the reason for that, for doing that Roth contribution before you max out the 401k is that Roth money, again, it just has some flexible characteristics that 401k money does not. Finally, if you've gotten that employer match and you've maxed out your Roths for the year, then is a good time to go back and see if you can't top up that 401k or 403b and get the maximum there. 
There are all of these accounts, the IRAs and the 401ks have catch-up provisions that kick in at different ages. And in fact, we forgot to mention this earlier, the health savings account also has a catch-up provision. So you want to look at that in your case and see if there is additional money that you can sock away in these accounts. So when it comes to HSAs, there's also maybe a less known hack there. The family contribution limit for 2020 is $7,100. But if you are old enough to be eligible for the catch-up contribution, you can open another HSA in the name of the spouse whose name is not on the first HSA, and you can get an extra $1,000 catch-up contribution in there. So if you're at $7,100 for the family, you can then get a $1,000 catch-up contribution for the first spouse, gets you to $8,100, and then another $1,000 catch-up contribution for the second spouse gets you to $9,100. And so this is just another opportunity to continue to push those tax advantage dollars higher and higher in these investment accounts. Again, some of which are administered as benefits through your work. Yeah. Well, Matt, you've done an incredible job. We covered a lot of ground and I appreciate this. If you're like us, you probably have quite a number of accounts between the two of you, including your old 401ks. It can be difficult to stay on top of everything, especially when your old employer switches providers which is what happened with my husband. Here's where our sponsor Capitalize can help. Capitalize helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. They handle the entire process. And yes, that includes calling your old employer or the 401k provider on your behalf. If you're ready to make managing your old 401ks much easier, find out more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash capitalize. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways I picked up from listening again to my chat with Matt and preparing this episode. The first is focus on big wins with your finances. Look, it's easy to get overwhelmed because there are so many decisions you can make. We're talking high level or even with the day-to-day things to keep from getting hit with analysis paralysis, and to start making an impact on your goals, you have to focus your attention and energy on those few key wins. This includes open enrollment because you can make some significant headway if you invest that time to go over your options and make sure that you're getting the most benefits at an affordable price. The second takeaway is have regular reviews of your financial progress. We do monthly reviews of our day-to-day finances to make sure everything's running smoothly, but set aside time every quarter or maybe twice a year to dig deeper, sit down and get into the details with all your accounts, including your investments, to make sure they're aligned with your goals and priorities. By doing this, you can adjust them when things are only slightly off instead of trying to fix things because they went off track. And then my final takeaway is having an objective expert to review your finances can be money well spent. Certified financial planners like Matt, who are fiduciaries, meaning they are legally obligated to work in your best interest, they can be incredibly knowledgeable guides to help you sort through the signal and noise. Even though you may be paying a fee to get their advice, you'll be getting personalized 
guidance on what money moves make the most sense for your goals and your circumstances. Speaking of goals, if you're ready to hit your family and financial goals faster, don't forget to sign up for our free community newsletter. I share the latest episodes, including stories and tips from families who have dumped their debt, they saved up for a huge goal, or they've also become financially free. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. And I'm glad to share that interview I did with Matt as a part of this. If you want to learn more and possibly work with him on your family finances, please check out minorwealth.com. I'll include links in the show notes to him, as well as other resources we've mentioned today, plus more over at Simplify and Enjoy. Next week on the podcast, we're continuing this discussion of making these big money moves to help set you up for an incredible year. Besides open enrollment, another key piece is making sure where you're banking at makes the most sense for you. You want to make sure that they're helping you reach your financial goals faster. If you're not currently happy with where you bank, make sure you listen to next episode because we're going to look at how to find the best banking option for you and moving your money. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme was by Staircases, with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but sending in questions and ideas for the podcast and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.